If you have your Bibles with you today, please open to 1 John chapter 2, continuing our verse-by-verse study of this epistle by John. 1 John chapter 2, reading verses 15 through 17, and if you are able, I'll ask you to stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Pray with me, please. Father, this is your word. It is true because you, Father, are the supreme author of it. It is infallible, inerrant. Spirit of God, work in and through us today through the preaching of thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. One of my favorite Christian singing groups has always been Casting Crowns. Anyone heard of Casting Crowns? You know Casting Crowns? Do you remember a few years ago, Casting Crowns came out with a song called The American Dream. The American Dream. And the song talks about a man who puts all of his energies, all of his efforts into his work here on earth, hoping that one day he'll make enough money to reach certain plateaus of business, certain plateaus of pleasure, which, of course, is his American Dream. As you watch the video, you see this man never stopping for a moment. He never stops to think about God, and he certainly doesn't spend any time with his wife or his small child that's running around the house. A few lyrics of that song go like this. Listen closely. It says, All work and no play may have made Jack a dull boy, but all work and no God have left Jack with a lost soul. But he's moving on full steam. He's chasing the American dream. He wants to give his family the finer things. They say whoever dies with the most toys wins. But if he loses his soul, what has he gained in the end? You know, this past week I went back and got on YouTube and I watched that video one more time. I encourage you to do that this week if you get a chance. Because in that video, there's clips of the same man. He's on the beach, and he's wearing his suit. He's wearing his tie. But it pictures him down on his knees on the beach building a castle made of sand. And he works hard on it over and over, trying to make this castle big, make it beautiful. But even though he puts so much effort into the sand castle, at the end of the clip, it shows the waves coming in behind him and crashing down the castle that he had spent so much time trying to make. It reminds us of what Jesus says, doesn't it? In Matthew chapter 7, let's be reminded of that. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. The Word of God teaches us from, this is the words of Jesus, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, 
And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Our text today talks about the same mindset that that man in the video had. It talks about the mindset of loving the things of the world. And this text today is going to bring several questions to the forefront of our minds, even as believers, questions like this. What do you love most in your life? What do you set your affections on? To who or to what are you most intimately attached? Where are your loyal devotions found? Today's text helps us zoom in and answer these questions because John teaches us and he warns us today as believers about the temptations, the lusts, what this text calls the desires of the world. And he shows us as Christians that we need to be aware and alert so that you and I do not start to love the wrong things. As we look at this text, it has four points. Here's the way the sermon is going to break down today, the four points of this sermon. First of all, today, John's going to teach us the command. There's a command found in the Scriptures today. Secondly, the test. Thirdly, the description. And finally, the promise. So as we walk through this, let's look at the command, the test, the description, and the promise from 1 John 2. Look with me back, verse 15, the first part of it, verse 15a. The command found in today's scripture passage. The Bible says this Do not love the world or the things in the world. The command is easy to see. Do not love the world. Well, the first thing we need to ask is this What in the world does John mean by world? What does world mean? You know, in the Bible, the word world can have several translations. It can mean the physical world, the planet. It can mean the created order that God made. It can also speak of humanity in general. But as we zoom in and look at the context here, we find that there's actually a third meaning to the word world, and that is a system of rebellion and pride that seeks to displace God and His rule. If you've ever done a study of Galatians, Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. He calls the world the present evil age. And according to Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that Satan governs this system of rebellion. He calls him the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. In John's gospel, he teaches us that this system of the world, it rejected Jesus Christ. And it even rejected his followers. So when John says, don't love the world, we clearly see that this is the system of everything that is opposite to the glory of God. And as you and I look around our society even today, it is so easy, unfortunately, it is so easy for all of us to see what that world looks like. 
from the moral and ethical deterioration of our country to the consumption of possessions and material things. To spending all of our time, all of our energy, all of our efforts on temporal matters. The removal of God from our schools, our courtrooms, the cultural agenda to attack the family and the acceptance of immorality and adultery. The emphasis on violence, greed, materialism, on and on and on, such is the world. And John's command today is simply this. Don't love the world. In other words, don't set your affections, your devotions, your time, your energy and efforts on the things of the world. Why? Because of point number two, because this is a test. This is a test. There is a command because there is a test. You see, this whole matter of loving the world is actually a test to see whether or not you really love God. Look at it. It's found in the second half of verse 15. 15 starts this way. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John says this is a test to see if you really know Jesus. To see if the love of God is really in your heart. Why? Because the Bible says, the Bible teaches us that a love for the world and a love for God, to have both is completely incompatible. John says that if you have one, it rejects the other. It's impossible to be a believer and be characterized by a devotion for your love for the world if you say you have a love for God. Other scriptures bring that out. James, the brother of Jesus, writes this in James chapter 4, verse 4. James says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The Lord Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So John is just repeating a truth that his Lord, his Savior, Jesus Christ, had already spoken. He's saying that a love for God and a love for the world cannot coexist. And that's a test, John says, to see if you really know the Father. But I want you to know that John gives this command, he gives this test now to move us to this third point, this description of the world, because right here, starting in verse 16, John gets very, very specific. In fact, moving forward, he distinctly describes the world in three different ways, and this is probably the major point of this sermon, the description of the world. I want you to know that in this description, John describes it in three different ways. Look at it with me in verse 16. Let's find those three ways. John says this, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. He describes it in these three ways. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions. Beloved, we're going to look at all three of those right now. But when we do, we're going to look at three biblical examples. One from the New Testament and two from the Old Testament. But let's take these one at a time. The first one's this. The desires of the flesh. 
It's the first way John describes the world. What does that mean? The desires of the flesh. If you boil it down, it's basically this statement. I must have that. I must have that. That's the desires of the flesh. Covetousness. I must have that. And specifically, it is wanting or desiring godless temporal material and short-lived pleasures. The first example comes from the New Testament, Matthew 19. You remember the story of the rich young ruler? The Bible talks about this young man. He was young and he was rich, but man, he had something on his heart, on his mind, and he had to get an answer to his question. And the Bible says this rich young ruler, he runs up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? Well, Jesus looks at the young man and basically says, keep the law perfectly. In other words, be perfect. If you don't have a sin issue, you can have eternal life. And what did the rich young ruler do? He quickly responded, didn't he? He said, I've done that already. Now, the problem was he hadn't done that, had he? I think Jesus was challenging him with the law so that he would actually see his sin and he would understand that he couldn't do that and that he needed a Savior like Jesus to save him. But he just moved over that very quickly. He said, I've already done that. I've already kept the law. What else do I got to do? And Jesus looked at him right in the eye and said this, Go, sell your possessions and give it to the poor. And come, follow me. You know, a lot of people take that statement by Jesus to, to, to mean that Jesus was saying that having possessions is wrong. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying at all. Jesus wasn't saying it's wrong to have possessions. If we look back at the scriptures, Abraham had a lot of possessions, yet he gave glory to the Lord. He honored the Lord. I think what Jesus was saying is this, is that it is wrong to attach yourself to your possessions more than you love God. It is wrong to love the temporal, the sensual, and the material and replace that for your love for God. So it wasn't wrong to be rich. The rich young ruler had possessions, but it was wrong that his love for his possessions kept him from loving Jesus. You see, Jesus knew what was holding that man back. He knew that man's issue. He knew that all those possessions were keeping him from loving God. So Jesus made it very clear for him. Go sell everything you have and come and follow me. And this man had to make a decision. And he took a step back and he said, here's my possessions. And here's Jesus. And here's the decision he made. I must have that. I must have that. I can't give up my possessions. I must have that. And the Bible says that he went away sad because he had great wealth. But what this rich young ruler didn't realize, that he was now building a castle on sinking sand. He was in love with the world. You know, they say, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But if he loses his soul, what has he gained 
in the end. He said, I must have that. I can't follow Jesus. I must have that, the desire of his flesh. Secondly, the second description the Bible says is this, the desires of the eyes. The desires of the flesh say, I must have that. The desires of the eyes say, I must see that. Lad read a long passage. I know that that took some time. I appreciate Lad's patience in reading that and your patience in listening, but I wanted you to get that whole story. And as Lad was reading, he would stop and give some commentary, and he stopped at a great point and gave commentary at a point that I want you to notice. You remember that story? David, the mighty warrior, the man after God's own heart, was up on top of his palace walking around. And he looked over and he saw something. It was a beautiful woman. Her name was Bathsheba. She was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And Lad mentioned this the moment ago. But it was at that point David had the opportunity to make a decision, didn't he? He had the opportunity right then and there to make a decision. He could have stepped back, turned around, and walked inside. But he didn't. He kept looking. Why? Because in his heart he said, I must see that. And he kept looking and looking and looking and looking. And what happened? I must see that turned into what? I must have that. You see that? The desire of his eyes turned into the desire of his flesh. And he was king. So he acted upon it. I must see that. Now I must have that. Hey, go get her and bring her to me. And they did that. And David decided to take another man's wife. And what did that lead to? We know what happened in the story. It led to adultery, which led to a scheme against Uriah, an honorable man. He he, he couldn't do the things David asked him to do. He, He was a warrior. He wanted to be out there fighting. And then it led what? It led to Uriah's murder. And then ultimately that visited David and his whole household and his whole house became dysfunctional from that point on. It led to all those sins because he in his heart said, I must see that. But what David didn't realize is that when he was acting upon that desire, upon that lust, he was starting to build a castle on sinking sand. That this dysfunctional home, based on lust, adultery, and murder, was forming because of the desire of his eyes. Because he was starting to be in love with the wrong things. Do you see that it started with a look? Some people say, it's just a look. What's what's the problem with just looking? Because looking turns into acting, and acting turns into a completely dysfunctional situation. He was in love with the wrong things. In his heart, he said, I must see that, the desire of his eyes. Number three, the third description is, the Bible says, is the pride in possessions. The the desire of the flesh says, I must have that. The desire of the eye says, I must see that. The pride in possessions. You know what this says? This is dangerous. 
I'm entitled to that. Our third illustration comes from 2 Chronicles 26. When you get a chance, I want you to read the whole chapter. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. It's the story of King Uzziah. And here it is in summary. The Bible says that King Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. He was very young, but he did what was right in God's sight, and God blessed him. The Bible says he became a great warrior. He had a huge army. He became a great builder. He built cisterns. He built towers. He advanced. He became very, very strong. In fact, his strength grew so big and so great that his fame spread to Egypt. But there's a verse right in the middle of that chapter, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16, and here's what it says. And when he was strong, he became proud to his own destruction. And the Bible talks about Uzziah going into the temple, and he wanted to burn incense. Well, that was something that only the priest could do. It wasn't for the king. And the Bible says there were 80 priests there that day, and they came up to Uzziah, and they encouraged him, Uzziah, you really need to go. You don't need to be here. What you're doing is for the priests. And again, just like David, it was a moment where Uzziah, he had an opportunity to make a decision. He had the opportunity to do what was right. He had the opportunity to walk out of that and never come back. But he didn't do it. The Bible says instead of listening to those priests, he got angry with them. His his anger was kindled against these priests. In other words, how dare you, you priests, how dare you tell me, the king, what I should do? I'm the king. I don't need to listen to you. Do you not understand how powerful I am? Do you not understand how strong I am? And I don't care what you say, I'm entitled to be here. I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want. You know what happened? The Lord struck him with leprosy on his forehead. And they picked that mighty powerful king up and they dragged him out. And they quarantined him the rest of his life. And he died a leper. You see, Uzziah was so strong that led to pride. And that pride led him to think that he was entitled to have and do anything that he wanted to have and anything that he wanted to do. But what Uzziah didn't realize was he was building a castle that was on sinking sand. He was in love with the wrong things. He was in love with the world. So, beloved, it doesn't matter if it's the flesh, the eyes, or the pride of possessions. I must have that. I must see that. I'm entitled to that. We're in love with the wrong things. And then John finishes up his final point in verse 17 with a promise. He says this, And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. This verse is pretty easy to break down. It says one thing is passing away. One thing's abiding forever. What's passing away? He says, the world. Those desires of the flesh, the eyes, the pride of possessions. Those things are passing away. You see, just like that sandcastle, 
that was washed away by the waves. This world and its desires are passing away. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. How foolish then for any of us to pin our hopes, our devotions, our loyalties, our love on the things of this world. Beloved, let us not love the wrong things. But this verse teaches us to keep something in mind. Although your possessions, yes, they will one day pass away, your soul will never pass away. You will spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell, the Bible says. And as verse 15 has taught us, if you love the world, if you're in love with all the wrong things, that's evidence that you don't know God. And the Bible says you have everything to fear. But this verse goes on to say that whoever does the will of God, he abides forever. Well, what is the will of God? It's trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord. It's following hard after him. And if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, beloved, you have nothing to fear. And you indeed will abide forever. As we close this morning, I want to remind you of something Jesus said. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? If you are here today and you find that you are in love with the wrong things, if you find that you are constantly loving the things of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of possessions, if you understand now that your house is on seeking sand, you need to run to Jesus and you need to run to him because his arms are open wide. And you can have life built on the rock of Jesus Christ because all other ground is sinking sand. And if that is you today, be reminded that yes, all work and no play may have made Jack a dull boy, but all work and no God has left Jack with a lost soul. But if you're here today and you're a Christian, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, be aware of the attack of the world on your life. Just like it attacked David, who was a man after God's own heart, the world is going to come to you to get your eyes off of Jesus Christ, and they're going to make it that, that system governed by Satan himself is going to encourage you to say, I want that, I must see that, and I'm entitled to that. That's on its way into your life. So, beloved, let's not love the wrong things. Let's love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength and our mind. Let's love our neighbor as ourselves. And in living in the kingdom of God while being in the kingdom of this world, being surrounded by that world, let's be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, pointing others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house, beloved, on the Lord Jesus Christ because all other ground is sinking sand. Pray with me, please.